Welcome back to the Turn Row Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Ethan. Uh, along with me, as always, is Kevin. How's it going, everyone? And our, our second host, John, decided to join us today. He is remotely tapping in from the panhandle of Texas. So, John, say hi to the people. Howdy. And as always, Colt, our producer, working the ones and twos and sometimes the threes. So our special guest today is Mr. Rob. He is our Western Region Vice President. He hails from Ulysses, Kansas. And um, so, Rob, say hi to the, the, the listeners we have listening to us today. Howdy, folks. So as you can tell, Rob is not a native Kansas uh, I don't know what the term is, Kansas person. So with, with verbiage like that, easy, he is. A, easy. <laughs> correction, Ethan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust your bubble. I was <laughs> born in McPherson, Kansas, so I'm actually a true Jayhawker. But oh, I, man. My mom, my roots run deep. So my mom's family ranched and farmed in Texas Panhandle. We moved when I was a little squirt. So I am kind of both sides. But well, I, have a, I have a southern draw that's probably as bad as anybody's. You know, it's it's nice to hear in meetings that I'm the only one, not the only one that doesn't speak English. So it's nice. It's it's well re- it's well received. So, uh, <laughs> so if you're listening to us and you're not from the South, uh, good luck. It's gonna be a. <laughs> I think a, that's my cue to leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, gonna be, it's gonna be big and it's gonna be real, but it may not yeah. be real big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People Is just listen to so. your life, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am the elder of this podcast and I'm older than dirt, been doing this a long time, so I qualify to say anything I need to. <laughs> so so Rob, say a little bit more about yourself. Like you know, how long have you worked for uh in, you know in the agronomic industry, some of your, your agronomic background? that kind of stuff. I I went to school at West Texas State, which is now West Texas A&M and graduated in 1984. So I've been a crop consultant since uh, early years of mid 80s, 85. You know, I think crop consulting started about 76. So it was just ramping up pretty good in the mid 80s and enjoyed it. Wouldn't, Wouldn't have any other trade. I love working with farmers and diagnosing problems and just kind of Worked our way up through the years and, and blessed that we uh, could form CropQuest and have an employee-owned company. So that's, that's short, sweet, but that's kind of the sum of it. So over the years, what have your, your kind of crops of expertise kind of, what have, what have you looked at? What do you, what do you enjoy the most? Uh, well, you know, this is a good segue into our, our two icebreaker questions that Kevin and I like to throw at people. So, uh, the first one is, what is your favorite crop to consult on? What do you enjoy looking at the most? That's a tough question. I, I don't enjoy corn right now because the mites <laughs> are extremely heavy. And <laughs> anybody knows anything about mites and you grew up in the high plains, it's, it's nasty. But I do Gross. enjoy checking corn because it's probably uh, – I, I didn't check corn when I – we had no corn on our farm. We were mainly wheat, fallow wheat. And I learned a lot about checking corn from some of the um, other CropQuest employee owners that are, a few of them are still here. Um, I do enjoy corn because I know a lot about it, but I have checked corn, cotton, alfalfa, a lot of wheat, grain sorghum. We have confectionery and oil sunflowers up here. I check five circles of potatoes pretty much every year for the last 20 years. That's, that, I like doing that. It's something different. We have had broccoli. We've had cucumbers, 
some of the guys check onions. So we dabble a little bit into crops, but not like the winter garden. Just we get a little bit of little bit of produce. But yeah, we can grow just about anything here. It's just we're a little uh, ways away from uh, some of the uh, points to where you have to deliver. We've had sweet corn that was one one or two year deal and it failed primarily just because of the management on the other side. But yeah, we can, I, I enjoy corn though. Corn and wheat are two of the biggest crops that we look at. So if y'all didn't catch that, Rob said the proper way, you know, he pronounced all the proper way. There's no way a three letter word has more than one syllable. So thank you, I appreciate your proper pronunciation. Of the word. That's all I know. And it's just one long I, drill. You know, exactly. You know, you know, I'm you know. done. I'm done. Yeah, you know, it's like people tell me, you know, you don't uh, a tire you put on your truck and you also get cell service. That's not the right thing, Ethan. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> so our other icebreaker question, somebody coming out of left field for you. If you were a bird and could fly to any place in the world, where would you fly to? And what kind of bird would you be? <laughs> Who's starting? You, it's all you right hey, now. We're, we're trying to eagle. I'll we're, be a golden eagle and I'll fly to uh, either the New Mexico mountains or the Colorado mountains and perch myself up top of something to look at. That's, that's where I'd go. So you would be a scavenger. That's an interesting choice, Rob. <laughs> I can, uh, <laughs> yes, but nobody can shoot me legally. So <laughs> I should be good to go. Yeah. Might get poached. <laughs> But at least I can fly and, and have a little respect and be a scavenger. <laughs> and that is a rather large bird. So, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting. So, all right, boys, let's get back to our weed control. We had part one a couple weeks ago. We talked about pre-harvest of wheat, weed control, post-harvest of wheat, weed, weed control in wheat. Oh, boy. That, uh, the mush mouth work. Yeah, the mush mouth is uh, is a real is a, is a real thing today. So, all right, Kevin. While I try to untie my tongue, why don't you get us started? <laughs> well, I, I guess um, let's start with uh, um, maybe post. You know, the wheat in our area. I guess I'll start and and have Rob fill in. In Southwest Kansas, we finally got our first rain yesterday evening and we hadn't had a drop for over a month so that provided a lot of challenges um, for controlling a lot of our pigweed pressure in our wheat stubble um, we go from in our area it seems like in july we hit a point where we get a blast furnace heat and then we can't kill anything um, and then and and mainly it's all of those factors are environmental related we get don't have any humidity it gets too hot so the plants harden off and then we're just kind of covering our tail trying to um trying to do what we can to bend weeds down and knowing that we're not going to kill them and we'll have to just play in the wind them up wind them up good enough so that we can uh not maybe produce as much seed so um rob you want to go into a little bit of like uh things that you've done in some of the some of your fields for uh weed control yeah Kevin. before you go into that rob 
uh, could you, you know, while you're going through this, talk about surfactants and carrier a little bit. I know that plays a bigger role in low humidity areas, you know, where I could get away with running an NIS and some AMS um, with my higher humidity, you know, maybe say some of the weird things you do with surfactants and okay. whatnot. So, yeah, uh, Kevin hit it on the head. Once we get into this summer, the typical, the old typical way of doing things was Roundup 240 Bamboo. And that just isn't working anymore. We're, we're, our pigweeds are getting tolerant to resistant to the Roundup. And the 240 and Bambles, you know, look good for about three or four days. And then the weeds just kind of smile at you and just kick it back in high gear and keep growing. So we have, um, are switching to more burn down. And, and there's just a little education there when, if you're going to, if you're going to run Germoxone, which is starting to become popular again, number one, if your neighbors are doing it, then it's not such a big deal because the number one thing is the drift and the speckling you get on some of your neighboring crops. And that's the biggest concern with running those. But if you're going to burn a field down at, at this stage, especially in the high plains, it, it's got to be Gramoxone. So you got to keep your rates up fairly high on that product. You got to run a lot of water and I'm talking 15 gallons and you have to have, you know, coverage is the key in painting those weeds. And Ethan hit it on the head. You, you know, we'll run a lot of, uh, MSO methylated seed oil. There's a whole host of products. We use one called Noble and we'll run a gallon per hundred with that. And if you're running Gramoxone, you're going to, you're going to need that atrazine as well. And, a, and just a light dose just to help burn those weeds down. And this is probably taboo for the Texas cotton guys, but we do add 240 up here. Our cotton up here is 240. Most every one of our fields is 240 cotton. So we don't have to worry about that product. So we'll add 12 to 16 ounces with that so we can get proper burn down. But again, if you're the only one running Gramoxone and your neighbor, you're close to your neighbor's field, he's probably not going to like it. And you're probably <laughs> going to get a phone call because whatever it drifts, it will poke a dot and kill that spot. And it can drift three or four miles and poke a dot a lot of corn, not hurting anything, but it's cosmetic. Yeah, we've got a lot of co-ops in our area that won't even touch the stuff because they've drifted four plus miles into valleys and killed stuff. And um, that speckling out here is just something we deal with. Um, it, you know, it's just like you have the measles, you know, it's yeah. just, you know, it's, just, exactly. it's, it's gross, it's ugly, but you know, <laughs> you know it, it's not yeah. really going to do anything. You know? Unless you're yeah. wiping your, your, your neighbor's field and your boom goes into his field. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if he does that, you are going to see that. There's no question about it. Yeah, you know, well, and, and in my opinion, this, you know, I'll, I'll touch a little bit about the hormones, your situation you're talking about with, with cotton, but um, we've had this, you know, we have so many different crops here, you know, a lot of peanuts and, and, and uh, corn, or I'm sorry, peanuts and cotton next to each other, sometimes a split field, you know, we run butyrac and we run a lot of dicamba cotton, which we probably shouldn't do. We should probably run 2,4-D cotton because that has resistance to it, but the yield, you know, from a yield standpoint, it makes more sense just to, to mess with the, uh, dicamba cotton, but it, you know, sometimes you have to donate a row or two to the cause to kill weeds yeah. of a different crop, you know, and it's, it's kind of, uh, counterintuitive way of thinking, but you know, a lot of my growers, you know, okay. So if, if we, you know, throw in this in your situation, so if we, you know, absolutely obliterate a row of corn, but I kill all my weeds in my wheat field, maybe it's not a bad situation you know, and, yep. and, um, just because the chemistries are, you know, the, the environment's tough, 
the chemistries aren't working like they used to. So we got to go to stuff that's a little more aggressive, you know. Um, sometimes that's just what you got to do, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's not like that outside row of corn is going to, you know, if that's what you're banking on saving the farm financially, then got a problem, you know. <laughs> that's, never, that's never your high yielding row anyway. So, um, but so do you run, uh, what about like water conditioners, AMS? I mean, what about running uh, like 32, you know, uh, UAN? Do you, do you dabble with any of that kind of stuff, Rob? We do if it's with Roundup, you know, on the Gramoxone side, uh, not necessarily. I don't, you know, you can add a quart per hundred NIS or something like that to help spread that out. That's, that, that's somewhat popular. You know, I, and it, it comes down to, again, this price, you know, the current grain prices. We can, we can make a prescription for just north of 20 bucks an acre. And, and we're using stuff like Distinct, which if somebody doesn't know what that is, that's, that's the status. It doesn't have a safener in it. You can get it a little, a little cheaper. It has, it's a hormone. Uh, it's in that growth regulator family, but it's, it gives you a two-way punch. And we're adding 240, high doses of Roundup running the AMS like you're talking, Ethan, and, and and possibly even running a gallon per hundred of MSO again, just to heat as much as you can. But you're talking uh, 20 plus bucks an acre for wheat stubble just to control weeds and, and you may or may not get them and when it's stressed. Now with this rain, it may help a little bit, but some of these pig weeds are, oh, they're what, Kevin? They're 16 inches tall, two foot or more? Yeah, right? they are. Scattered through the field. It's nice because you get to August and they put a seed head on. So we know they're not going to get taller, but we're still dealing with a nasty weed. Um, yeah. And sometimes you, you can't, I mean, this sounds another one of my unpopular views, but sometimes you have to go in with the mindset of weed control is an investment into the farm. So, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, you know, so if you spend $30, 35 bucks, but you kill 95% of the stuff, your next crop's going to benefit from that. So it's not necessarily, you know, you got to, you got to think across two crops when you're burning, you know, cleaning up fallow fields. It's not, it's not, uh, that's, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, cause that crop year is what's going to pay the bills. I mean, that's what you got. It's the money you have, but you can't always, you know, handcuff yourself to that issue because it is an investment on the farm. You're trying to thin the seed bank out. You're, you're trying to, prevent the seed bank from growing and and you know pigweed seed I, I, when i was uh i wasn't in college it was right out of college so i got i saw a picture of a pigweed or palmer amaranth seed uh you know fully mature healthy seed under a microscope and it looks like a golf ball you know it, it's it has little divots it's perfectly round and it, that thing is made to move so <laughs> You know, I mean, it, well, if I'm swinging at it, it won't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if it looks like a little golf ball, it's probably got a, it's, it's safe. <laughs> John Gibson might have yeah, a no doubt. John Gibson's story about it. You better watch out. It may go for a long way. So, so anyway, uh, Kevin, you know, why don't you get this, this uh, train back on the tracks now that well, I've derailed well, this once again. I guess let's go backwards a little bit because um, another thing to talk about is spray nozzles. Um, when we get really dry, we kind of go, um, I'm going to say backwards a little bit, and we start using more flat fans, and it's more acceptable to use uh, fines. 
have more of a fine droplet so that we get more coverage, especially when you're talking gramoxone and stuff like that, where, you know, it's very common to see weeds burned on one side and then not anything on the other side. So um, there's a lot of weird things that have to be done in order to get it, uh, get it taken care of. Cause in, in our part of the world, we know that if we miss them, that we're going to come back with iron. It's just the way it works um, to, to get things officially cleaned up if, if, if it gets nasty enough, even though we don't typically like to do that because we lose our ground cover. We do have sandy soils in parts of our world, and we don't like to get them slicked off to where they're going to blow all winter. So, And pressure is the key, too. Like if you're, yeah. if you're running at Gramoxone, and like Kevin said, you need to – even though it's going to drift a little bit more, you need to you need to up your pressure on on uh, products like that. And and the other thing, just one mention on the weeds. Like if you're talking a coastal weed, it's been up since March. Now it's been cut by the harvester. You know, a lot of the thistles and kochia, and they're they're just they're trees, and they don't. You're not going to kill those unless you use a defoliant. And Kevin's right. Either and and Ethan's right too. You can't let these weeds go because your next crop is very important, and more than likely it's going to be corn again. So you you got to do the best you can. And whether you put iron in the field here late fall or or try to kill them now and then just dress them up, it's it's a tough call. It really is. And a lot of people don't want to work the fields anymore. But sometimes you got to pull that out of the weeds and and blade it. You just have to. So, you know, let's, let's, let's move forward a little bit and, and I'm going to pose this to you, Rob, you know, we, we've, we, we've done the best we can, got things cleaned up. We still have, you know, weeds bowed down, kind of a little, a few pigweeds trying to come up and we're planting wheat. What do you do? <laughs> Plant your wheat. Um, you hope, you know, up here we do have a thing called frost. <laughs> That will finally. Will what is finally, what, uh, what is that four letter word? Yeah, I know it's crazy for <laughs> well, you. Uh, well, yeah. fifty degrees and you're you got your coveralls on. We're sitting there with our bathing suit out, but um, <laughs> you know I, I may die. <laughs> you may die. Well, you didn't die when you went skiing. You made it. Well, you, you died a little on the inside. I yeah. yes, my yeah. soul was frostbitten. Yeah, your little lung damage, breathing in that good Colorado. Air, it was so fresh i wasn't used to it yeah, yeah. i'm not a fan yeah, of the salt fresh water air. it's cleaning that salt water out of your lungs you're too close <laughs> <to finish. laughs> yeah. anyway rob go this well go ahead you know i think kevin what we usually do if we boat them down you know typically if we're getting ready to drill wheat we just drill wheat and eventually the pig weeds and the kosher their days are numbered sometime in october as long as they're not thick you know if we're talking scattered weeds you just drill your wheat and and if we get a rain, sometimes we get a whole nother flush of pigweeds, but they'll only be about two or three inches tall. I don't do typically do much with it. I mean, if you feel the need, if you didn't kill them the first time, you're not going to kill them again. If they're fresh weeds that have come up, there's a whole host of things you can do. You can, if your wheat's up and you're tilling a little bit, you can put some bamble out. I don't typically do D in the fall because it does promote less tillering on your wheat. And if it's late wheat, you sure don't want to do that, but you can do a host of different things if it's if you're talking mustards you know you can put an early su out with a little bamboo early on whoa this is a family show rob watch your mouth su oh i didn't oh, say su oh s yes i didn't say std did i 
Oh, I don't. That's whoa. that's in your department. I'm too old. So. Whoa, 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 whoa! I am a married. I know it's a family show. I'm sorry. I went down the gutter. Ethan, you're so, bad. You're bad influence. You so, know, uh, one one thing uh, to mention here too, I guess, would be um, if you got Downey Brome or uh, correct cheap yep. problems, the time to do it is right after you plant the wheat. Yes, uh, that's the only do time. Do not wait. It is expensive. Uh, you come in late in the spring, you're going to ding it, but the best time to do that is right after you plant. Um, Correct. It's it's kind of nice to have Mother Nature in your <laughs> in your toolbox when we're talking about fall. You know, um, you got weeds up, and we're talking about freeze or uh, you know limited lifespan. It's it's nice to to have that in your back pocket where it's that's the only time of year we can bank on it out here, I yeah. guess. I've, I've had some people, you know, even plant their wheat and you put, you know, you plant it deep enough. You can put the prowl on or dinitroaniline and help too. But that, that doesn't seem to work very well on a brome. And really the other products you're going to run are going to limit, limit the amount of brome, but you're still going to have brome no matter how you slice it. Yep. If it's a bad brome field, cheat grass, you're, you're only, Culling the herd a little bit, and you'll probably have to spray it twice once in the fall and once in the spring. There's a lot of recommendations on those to, to ding it, but it's you're still gonna have brome, but at least it'll be somewhat below the wheat, maybe maybe not as thick come harvest time. But number one way is just rotate and go to a different crop. That's yeah, fun. for sure. So, for sure. will y'all not run axial? It's a grass product and wheat and wheat. We usually don't, not okay. out here. Okay, so we run so, and also I don't know if it's it kills winter wheat or why it works this way. So, uh, we raise spring wheat, probably eighty percent of the acres are spring wheat, and with those because of the you know your, the planting window in January, you're going to have grass problems. So a lot of times we'll run axial or axle or however you pronounce it, um, but it's expensive and that's the only option you got if you have some Johnson grass pop up. Well, that makes sense, though, where you're, you're yeah. planning in. It's already warm. and So, it, and February is a very strange month for us. We will hit 95 in, in February, and two weeks later, we will have a frost. Hmm. You know, I mean, it will hit like 28 degrees. So, because of that, we get a flush of summer weeds, of, um, you know, careless weeds or pig weeds, um, of summer grasses. So, that's what's fun for us is we get – all the weeds and then we get cold again immediately afterwards that never fails that you know you'll and you know that's what you'll you'll have that that little pop of warm weather guys will plant corn and it'll get cold as soon as it comes up and you just hope it's not too cold but <laughs> um because of that our our wheat can our weed control in wheat is uh unique you know we do you're gonna run uh, a hormone whether that is dicamba um, I like to run, uh, not MSMA, uh, MCPA. I don't know, yeah, is that, do y'all run much of that? Yeah. Yeah. A, a little, little, gen, little more gentle on the tillering. Yeah. We yeah. run a lot of MCPA on. And that's, kind of I, yeah, I, I like that with an SU, uh, you know, like an affinity or, a um, harmony, something like that. So we run a lot of affinity on irrigated with little bamboo, little D and, mcpa or e we do a lot of mcp the ester formulation seems like the applicators like it a little better i think it mixes um especially if you're talking i believe with nitrogen fertilizer 
Yeah, you know, and it just seems to be so much easier on the plant. And we get really good weed control with it. So, You know, one other thing, uh, just thinking here, yeah, getting back to that Broman cheat, we will run some clear field wheat. And you have to plan ahead. You know, you have to buy a wheat variety that, that allows you to put, what is it, Beyond, Kevin? Is that right? Yeah, beyond? yes, yep, yep. So we do, we, and that, that's probably some of your better control because that way you can, you can spank that brome grass pretty hard and you can do it twice. And that's probably the number one way to control brome and cheat. And some of the other, I don't know about jointed goat grass. I'd have to look back on the label, but if you knew you had some of those issues, those fall uh, grasses that come up in the wheat, that that's, that's probably the number one way is, and there's several varieties, some of them from Colorado State University, but I think there's a number of varieties that would fit the high plains. Uh, and, I, and I'm sure it would for you too, Ethan. I don't know if you do any clear field or not. You know, we do clear field sunflowers. Um, I did, you know, I, this, I, I, this is the first time I've actually heard of clear field wheat. Maybe that's, I shouldn't say that, but I don't know why, you know, you know, my first thought was, Oh, that's, that's interesting. But then, you know, there's been clear field rice for a long time. So why couldn't they put it in wheat? You know? So, yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, there, there's not very many varieties in it. Is that right, Kevin? There's like, I'd have to look through that book. Yeah, I mean, I have to look too. Yeah. It's, it's not, not an ordinary deal that we, or an ordinary hybrid that we deal with. Okay. Uh, so th does beyond work better in cooler temperatures than, cause I can't ever get it to kill anything in sunflowers. We quit planting clear field sunflowers cause they were still woolly fields, you know? So, um, I don't know if that's just the weeds we have or the, the environment. So does it work better on your wheat where you have, cooler temperatures i think so it okay. uh, if you're talking about the brome you know it's pretty lush in the fall kind of like what kevin said you got to hit this stuff early and you get a you know a light crop of that up and and it's it's you i think it does work just a little better maybe it works better on the bromes and the cheats than some of the grasses you're going after on flowers okay. yeah oh cool see you learn something new every day you know i can i can finish the data now I learned something. Yeah. It's over. It's well, over I, don't, I haven't run. I just have a lot of rotation. I don't know if Kevin, do you deal with that? You get close to the Colorado line. Yeah, no. I mean, usually, um, usually it's Olympus or something like that right after you plant. Yep. If, yeah. if, if, if we're going to do it. And it, I think a lot of it's a cost deal. Yeah. The cost may be the limiting yeah. factor. You know, they, you know, wheat is considered uh, throw it out there and raise it kind of crop, not, oh, we're going to put all this expense into it. Yeah. It's not a, it's a bit of a stepchild. Yeah, it, it right. It truly is. You know, I guess, yep. Go ahead. No, go well, ahead. One other, one other chemistry that we use a lot is ally. There's a lot of ally gets used um, on our weed out here. Yep. Um, for residual purposes, but um, some give it credit for a longer residual than others. But yeah. Well, Kevin, what is our next plan of attack? We, we've kind of beat this horse to we have, your we death. Have. Well, you know, I think the key takeaway here is that, you know, you do, we do what we can to bend them over to let Mother Nature take its course. But then at this point, once we move into the fall, so to speak, and, and winter and, and then into the spring, uh, no weed is a good thing. And just because you can't see weeds doesn't mean that something doesn't need to be done. You know, because then we're talking and going into corn or going into fall crop. And um, like we're talking about pigweeds, uh, you all would probably agree that we can't see them come up anymore. Because if they're up, we can't control them yeah. in a lot of places. So Layers of pre-emerged herbicides are yeah. 
are definitely key. Well, you know? and, it's, and, and just like we're talking, um, <laughs> you can spend twenty over $20 an acre once a weed is up. You know, I always tell guys that I'm sorry, this is expensive because <laughs> what do you want me to do? We got to kill things now versus yeah. a pre-emerge or some of this other stuff. It's pretty cheap if there's nothing up. You don't yeah. have to add all the adjuvants or be careful or have coverage or water or all this. You can get away with a lot of stuff if you're just putting pre-emerge or uh, protection type uh, treatments out, you know. Good point, Kevin. I mean, you don't have to worry about the weather, yeah. the hot, dry, humidity, nothing. If you kill, a, if you can get a weed before it comes up, it's a home run because once the weeds are up, you got to bring the big guns. And the taller they get, the bigger the shell you bring. And doesn't mean you're going to get them, but you can ramp up. Uh, you can spend 12 to 15 for a pre, or you can spend, like we've spent, and even in corn, 30 to 40 bucks an acre sometimes to knock weeds out. And it's it's expensive. And price of corn the way it is, you know, we try to go proactive. And, and Ethan, you hit it right on the head, layer this stuff. You know, keep that, keep those weeds down, put something down pre, come back in, hit them again, lay by, and you'll be a, you'll be more successful and have a cleaner field and higher yield on your crop. Yeah. And not only are, are killing weeds when they're up more expensive is it doesn't work very well. Nope. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you prevent it from ever coming up, the controls a hundred percent. And then if it comes up, then that quickly gets to 70 and 60 and 50%. So. You know, it's interesting when, I mean, I guess Rob's fought kosher since the beginning of time, right? Yeah, I'm older than dirt, so <laughs> I started planting kosher so I'd have a job security is what I did. Uh, that, that was actually what they used as lettuce in his day. They made a kosher salad with a Russian thistle dressing, similar to the Russian dressing that we all have, you know? Oh, good grief. But, you know, that used to be when I first come out here, that was the number one fear, I guess, is getting kosher under control. And then once we started doing March applications and, and, and or, um, protecting ourselves by putting stuff early, it's not even a factor anymore. Yeah. And, um, I, I think that we, it's just to the point where we have to get, get back to that. You know, we, yeah. we talked, we talked a little bit about, um, a couple podcasts ago about the advent of Roundup and you know how it made things so cheap to kill things for a while and now we're back to um, what I have been told back in the 80s you know where we're, we got to layer residuals we got to do things you know preventatively not not to let it come up and oh yeah I can kill that so so I want to pivot a little bit and this this is somewhat related but are you seeing more folks go to rope wicks or maybe like a roller I know in West Texas, they're real common. It's kind of like a roller wick um, where you're painting on a high dose of a chemical on really tall weeds. And Have you all seen that move into your area? We used to have a lot of it back in the 80s and 90s. We had a lot of decalb seed production. So a lot of fields got rope wick to kill the undesirables. See a little bit of that again, Kevin. I, I've seen a few guys. There's a rope wick applicator, not in the town of Ulysses, but can. But it's not very popular anymore, Ethan. It used to be, but it's uh, mainly probably on the grain sorghum. You'll see that. But I, I just don't have hardly anybody real quick. It, there's not very many around. Would you have I know. a guy that um, started using hooded sprayer, though? 
see, we're seeing a lot of hooded sprayers come back, yeah. especially in our cotton and in our, in our, you know, in vegetables, especially like watermelons. Um, you know, you don't have, you don't have options. You have like sauna land. Um, it's permit, but it's a different name. It's the same molecule, um, dual. And that's about it. So, um, if you want to, if you get anything escape, you know, before you put out those, those, uh, pre-emerge type products, you know, you can use Roundup, but you got to use a hooded sprayer. So what, you know, it kind of went, came back for us early with the veggies and the fruits. And now it's, it's like, well, we have it. We can just move the hoods back to where they're supposed to be and run it in cotton, you know, and use, you know, and even in sesame, you know, like, you know, sesame has, there's a Cotteran label in sesame, but you gotta use a hooded sprayer, you know, once you get one on the farm and you get somebody that knows how to run it, there's all kinds of fun stuff you can run. Yep. You know, and, um, you know, but my rope wick thing, uh, you know, I know from like big, you know, in West Texas from like big Springs up to Lubbock, there's a lot of guys using rollers. It's, you know, and it's, it's like a sponge roller that just, when it hits a weed, it paints it on, you know, and, um, I have a grower that went to big Springs to go buy one. And I don't know if he ended up doing it or not because he uses a hooded sprayer as well. So, you know, it's just, it, you're seeing a lot of stuff go back several decades, you know, and it, um, I, we, we kind of got spoiled with roundup and I think that's why we're fighting the fights we are now. Yeah. And that's why we don't have a lot of new chemistry. We got, uh, you know, it takes a, millions of dollars to get something registered. And when Roundup hit, you know, I think most of the chemical companies got pretty darn lazy about trying to advance this, uh, looking for different molecules. And, and it's back on the front forefront. And I, I know talking with some of the uh, chemical companies, uh, there's stuff in the pipes uh, for pigweed, Pacific weeds, and it's, it's coming, you know, it's going to take a while. But I think, uh, now that Roundup's kind of played the market, I call it kind of secondary in your toolbox. You, you sure don't have to add Roundup in every single application. You, you know, you do like what we're talking about, do some pre's, keep those weeds down and then use Roundup as your last resort. You know, if you need to knock down some weeds with something post, you know, you'll add it in, but it's sure not our primary or herbicide, not, not up here. It didn't. Unfortunately, it, it's an additive. Yeah. yeah. You know, and not to get too political, but in, in, the time that we were using Roundup, it was an easy time to use it. It worked well. And not only did the chemical companies possibly rest on that, well, the EPA didn't rest. You know, there's so much government oversight now to get a new molecule out that wasn't there in the 80s and 70s and 60s. So it's kind of a two-prong. Uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, I'm not going to say if it's bad or good. You know, I'm sure there's lots of people with, with stronger opinions and we won't get into that. But now, you know, the, the factor is it takes a lot more time. It takes a lot more studies, both in the field. You know, you have to worry about wildlife, water, you know, it's well, it just seems like it has to be way specific. It can't yeah. be the yes. broad specter round. I'm going to say roundup. We keep saying it, but like it's where it kills everything, yeah. you know, where it, you, you spray it and it, everything's dead. Well, we can't have that anymore. No, it's, you know, and that's yeah. why you saw the the patch of dicamba and two four D tolerance go into soybeans and cotton. The chemistry was there, so with, let's backtrack this, and then you know, uh, I don't know if it was cheaper, but you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to make, you know, the wheel resistance to that speed. You know, make make the the crop resistant to that molecule, and you know, 
Um, you know, I mean, so, you know, well, it's just the, the game you got to play now. If you're a chemical company, you have to work with the regulations that are on the hand and it costs a lot more money than it did 30 years ago to do it. So stuff will come, you know, it we're, all, slower. we're all creatures of habit too. We've, when something works, whether it's a consultant or the producer, we use the hell out of it <laughs> no until it doesn't work anymore. And we go to the next uh, herbicide or what or pesticide. And we we've done that for years and we have, I mean, we have screwed ourselves somewhat. I hate to say yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, when the SU market hit, we had uh, things like beacon and accent rim sulfuron and, and, and those worked for about three or four years. We were spanking shatter cane and Johnson grass just before the roundup uh, phase. And then all of a sudden that crap didn't work. So I was like, well, okay, what's next? You know, we find <laughs> something else. And when roundup hit, we thought the Holy grail, you know, crap, we can kill anything. Well, we could. Now we're back to square one. Yeah. Twenty years and later, you're back. Twenty to years the, later, the water. And the other condition. thing that spooks the hell out of me is this bamble and D, cotton, you know, cotton and and all these products. I mean, we can't hardly kill weeds with bamble and D anymore. And here we are, doing the same damn thing now. Now we can spray it over beans and and all these other crops. And I. I think it's great because it keeps the damage down, but I think we're fooling ourselves if we think that's going to be the Holy grail. Right. Right. I think we're in trouble because we already started in trouble when they started putting out thousands of acres of dicamba and, and D, you know, beans and cotton. So I don't know how long that game's going to play. Well, unfortunately those are still our, our workhorses and our burn down stuff, you know? Yeah. Now we're using it in every single crop, fallow beans, corn. So now it's 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 field wide. So we'll see how long that works. Yep, it's hey. uh, it, it'll be interesting to to see what the future holds. So do we want to pivot into maybe some early corn stuff? Um, uh, or... we might we might have to save that one for another okay. one. That'd be okay. a good idea to do a weed part three. Okay. Um, I think. Yeah, you know, this fall we can sometime we can start talking about layer and stuff for like what you were visioning but kevin on the yeah putting something down in march and yep i think yes. everybody just wants to forget about 2000 <laughs> <laughs> no what do you mean this was a wonderful split. year it was hey, awesome we had the best wheat crop we've ever had but with these grain prices and uh it's just been an interesting 2019 yeah weather weather's been interesting so uh colt why before we wrap it up why don't you tell the folks where they can find us online and maybe submit some questions we'd love to have a a listener-based episode at some point if the three listeners will be so kind to send us some stuff so colt take it away uh yes you can uh email us at media at cropquest.com um you can also find us on facebook and twitter at cropquest inc uh, we'd love to hear from you so for john Rob and Kevin, I am Ethan, and thank you for joining us once again. We will see you next time.